Wow, well, what a couple of weeks it's been in the world of college football and the Big 12. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It's great to be here with you as we get it going on another week. So last week, I took a, a little vacation. I had a show for you guys lined up, right? I didn't leave you hanging. But if you're wondering why last week maybe wasn't as topical as it should have been based on the insanity of the college football world, that's why. Just so you guys know, that's why. I try to do a show for you each and every week. We do it each and every week, but it wasn't as topical as it should have been based on the chaos in the college football world. And before we dive into it, guys, please, as we get closer to the season, this does help us a lot. And I've got a little treat coming back your way. Uh, I will give you a Heartland College Sports koozie, free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. If you leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to this podcast, just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get that koozie in the mail for you guys. I will do that. So I appreciate it greatly. It does help a ton, and uh, thanks so much. But let's get to that because there's no doubt in my mind that the Big 12 is doing the right thing. I believe that if we are going to sit here, let's say late September, right? Let's say all the Big 10 uh, football players and Pac-12 football players get sent home. I believe that there will be fewer tests in the Big 12, SEC, and ACC than there would be of players in the Big 10 and uh, the Pac-12 based on positive COVID tests. Now, that probably won't happen because you're going to have a situation where the Big 12, ACC, and SEC, they're going to be testing these guys up to three times per week, most likely, right? That's that's what's most likely going to be happening where I don't know if the Big Ten and Pac-12 players are home, I don't know how much they're going to be tested, if at all. But if you were to test Big Ten and Pac-12 players at home versus Big 12 ACC and SEC players on campus, I guarantee you'd have more positive tests of those not playing than those playing. Why? Because of those guys who are going to be playing, they're going to be in far more of a bubble situation than the Big Ten players and the Pac-12 players who, who might be going back home. And going to Walmart with mom and dad and being out in public far more than those guys who are going to be playing this fall. Look at what happened with the Oklahoma Sooners. So Riley, uh, Lincoln Riley gave his guys a break. They allowed the players to go home after it became evident that OU scheduled uh, August 29th season opener would be pushed back into September. So what happens? He let those guys go home for a few days comes back, and he's got nine guys that are testing positive. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly the example. Now, of course, it's a small number. Those guys are being isolated, contact tracing, and, I, you know, 99.9% chance they're all going to be just fine after, you know, some flu-like, fever-like symptoms, right? Not making light of it, but for younger, healthier people, that's the reality. You don't have to um, like it. But you can't deny the numbers. I'm sorry, you can't. But that's a perfect example. They let the guys go home for a few days. After four weeks, OU had a four-week span from July 8th to July 29th with zero positives. Guys go home for a few days on August 8th, come back, boom, nine positive tests. 
I, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, our Matthew Postens, who writes for us, he had a piece on the website talking about how college football, or the Big 12 in particular, should go the bubble route. Um, I'd be okay with that. I don't know how realistic it is at the college football level, on a campus situation, especially if students are there as well, how realistic that is. But either way, the Big 12 is going to be playing. It looks like most universities are going to go 25% capacity at football games this fall. Uh, most recently this week, OU, Texas, Kansas State, all announcing those plans for 25% capacity. And that seems like a best-case scenario for everybody involved right now. It seems like the appropriate scenario for everybody involved right now. Now, there has been some news. Uh, the biggest player this week in college football to opt out of the season was OU running back Kennedy Brooks. Now, I'm not going to knock the guy. I'm not going to sit here and do it. While you've heard me talk about and share the numbers the last few weeks at how unlikely it is somebody like Kennedy Brooks would end up in a situation where his health is at severe risk, I'm not going to knock the guy. You're not going to get me to do it. Not that you're expecting me to, but I'm not going to do it. And here's why. This is smart for Kennedy Brooks, by the way. You know, from an NFL perspective, he was already a guy that was considered one of the, you know, top running back prospects uh, at the next level. Now, if we're being fair, you know, a top running back prospect in today's NFL, maybe a third round draft pick. But either way, the guy saves his body in a season that, Let's be honest, this season, no matter what comes out of it, this college football season is not going to be viewed in the same light as last season or hopefully a normal season in 2021. It's just not. Like the baseball season's not going to be viewed the same. The NBA season, maybe even the NFL season, depending on how things play out. But that's just the reality. This season for every sport is going to have an asterisk next to it. There's no doubt about it. So if you're Kennedy Brooks and you're running back and we continue to learn that, you know what, running backs, uh, they've got X amount of carries in their bodies. And if he can save himself on a couple of hundred carries this year and use those in the NFL and still be a, I don't know what he would be, second, third, fourth round pick in the draft next year, I don't blame him for doing that. I, I, I don't. Is it more that or is it more COVID? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's in his heart. But if this is something and a way for Kennedy Brooks to do what is best for himself and his future after two great years at the running back position for OU, rushing for over 2,000 yards and 18 touchdowns, okay, I'm not going to knock him. But it's tough for OU because, you know, Trey Sermon transferred to Ohio State in the offseason. And gosh, don't you feel bad for a guy like Trey Sermon? Leaves OU, transfers to Ohio State, and now no season for the Buckeyes. No season. I don't know if he can get back to OU, but either way, you know, he's done for the season, obviously, and uh, tough break for him because he left to play more. So now OU's got Ramondre Stevenson, but he's under suspension for the first few games. And then after that, it's uh, TJ Pledger uh, for the Sooners. So OU will be fine, but certainly if you're Lincoln Riley, you're working in a new quarterback and Spencer Rattler. Do you really want uh, to also be very young? and very raw in the backfield. It's not ideal. It's not ideal, but I think that the uh, OU offense is going to be just fine. I'm, I'm really not worried about it. Now, speaking of offenses in the Big 12, uh, did you see this? Pro Football Focus, PFF, uh, they have a college thing that they do as well. So, uh, And they, what they did here is they ranked Big 12 quarterbacks 
and they did it also at the national level. And the number one ranked quarterback in the Big 12, according to Pro Football Focus, all the analytics and whatnot, Sam Ellinger, who is the sixth ranked quarterback in America. Brock Purdy, Iowa State, number two, eighth ranked quarterback in America. OU Spencer Rattler, number three, 20th ranked in the country. Skylar Thompson, Kansas State, fourth in the Big 12, 25th in the country. Charlie Brewer, 26th in the country, fifth in the Big 12. Alan Bowman, Texas Tech, number six in the Big 12, 50th in the country. Number seven in the Big 12, Jared Dagey, West Virginia, 52nd in the country. Number eight, TCU's Max Duggan, 60th in the country. Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State, number nine in the Big 12, 84th in the country. And at number 10, uh, KU, and they put both guys down, Miles Kendrick and Thomas McVitie, and 107th in the nation. So, you know, I would take... Brock Purdy over Sam Ellinger. That's me. I'd take the Iowa State kid over Sam Ellinger. I would. I think Ellinger's a great runner. He, you know, he's uh, like a fullback in many ways. But if I'm looking for a quarterback in the Big 12 for a game or a season, I'm taking Brock Purdy. Spencer Rattler at number three, it doesn't shock me because whoever's playing that position for Lincoln Riley is going to put up some massive numbers. I mean, let's just be honest. He's going to put up some massive numbers, right? So I don't mind him there, but I, I am a little bothered by it just because the guy, you know, hasn't played more than a couple of snaps in junk time. Uh, Skylar Thompson at number four for Kansas State, that was surprising. Now, Charlie Brewer's right behind him. I would have flipped those two. I would have had Brewer ahead of Thompson. And I think you could have made a case for Bowman as well. I mean, when Alan Bowman is healthy, people forget because he hasn't been healthy as much as, you know, Texas Tech fans would want him to be. This guy's a gunslinger, man. It's not even close. In terms of throwing the football, I'd take Alan Bowman every day over Skylar Thompson. I, not even a debate. Uh, Daigie, fine at seven. Duggan at eight, okay. But Spencer Sanders below Max Duggan and Jared Daigie, that, that's surprising to me. And And – Far behind them when you talk about the national rankings. They had Daigie at 52 in the country, Duggan at 60, Spencer Sanders at 84. It's a big drop. I mean, Max Duggan, I, I'd have to go back and look at some of his box scores, but there were some games where the guy was like, I felt like he was like 5 of 20 <laughs> passing the ball. Now, he had some wheels, but man, uh, you know what? I'm not far off. Here's the stat line for Max Duggan against Oklahoma 7 of 21 for 65 yards and one interception. By the way, a game they only lost by four points. It's pretty damn good. Lost a game by four points. Baylor, triple overtime loss, 14 of 32, 140 yards, one touchdown, three picks. I Really? I mean, are you going to put them ahead of Spencer Sanders? Now, I know Spencer Sanders might have had more to work with, but still, I mean, Max Duggan had a first-round draft pick, a wide receiver, couldn't get him the ball. Spencer Sanders had growing pains as well. There's no doubt about that. I'm not denying that for a second. But especially as the season went on before he got hurt, I mean, Spencer Sanders had himself some pretty darn nice games. And you saw his growth. He, he slowed down on the turnovers, and he got better. So uh, that was another thing. Spencer Sanders as the ninth best quarterback in the Big 12. That was surprising to me. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up, let's look at the new Big 12 schedule. 
the pros, the cons, and much more. It's next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So let's take a look at the new Big 12 football schedule that was announced late last week. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you. Yes, we've got a season. This is awesome. Sorry, Big 12 and Pac-12 fans. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. So now week one of the uh, conference schedule is going to take place on September 26th. And the most interesting game in week one is TCU and Iowa State. So Iowa State's a team that I, you know, and I still hear from some of you guys. Last year, I thought Iowa State was going to be playing for a Big 12 title. I was wrong. Lost a lot of close games. Could have gone either way. Either way, I was wrong. Iowa State couldn't win the close game. But this is interesting because, you know, for Iowa State, they've got those same expectations this year. They should. Uh, you know, they've got a quarterback who some people believe is a top half of the first first round of the NFL draft type of quarterback, right? I mean, a lot of people believe that about Brock Purdy. If they can't get off with a win against TCU, who, yes, is going to have a really good defense, a lot of guys coming back, that secondary, by the way, is outstanding for the Horn Frogs. But if they can't get a win in week one against TCU, as much as the Horn Frogs are looking to be a dark horse this fall, then it's just not going to be good. Now, Matt Campbell's done things at Iowa State the last few years that nobody uh, expected him to do outside of Matt Campbell. Um, and he's exceeded expectations. But that's going to be a disappointment. And that's a game for Gary Patterson to make his mark and say, we've had a couple of mediocre years, but we're back in the saddle. All right? We're back in the saddle. We're getting this thing on the right track again, and it starts this week. And you got Jerry Kill running that offense, basically. Max Duggan in year two, how much has he improved? So I see that in week one being like a 20-17 to 17 game, a field goal either way. But I think there's more pressure on Iowa State in that game to get off on the right foot and, you know what, prove that we can compete for a Big 12 title. Because if you're Iowa State, and you're blessed with Brock Purdy and what might be his last year with the Iowa State Cyclones. If you're going to do another seven and five, I guess not seven and five, it would be uh, whatever, six and four with 10 games season. You know what? It's going to be a letdown. And it will have been two years of letdowns in that case for um, Iowa State. So now uh, after week one, which is a full slate, you get to week two, and week two is also a full slate. So week one and week two are, are both five games. But then you start building in. There's two bye weeks, and then, of course, you got the Big 12 championship game, which is either on Saturday, December 12th, or Saturday, December 19th. Not sure yet, but smart for the Big 12 to just build in multiple bye weeks, right? Like, I think that's the right way to play it here for the conference, and they're doing a damn good job of it. So week two, you have a full slate as well, and uh, the game to watch there. Uh, there's two you can really look at. There's Texas TCU because uh, that game, once again, TCU always gets up for Texas, Tom Herman, Gary Patterson, and then you put those two teams in that spot. If TCU beats Iowa State, that game's got a hell of a lot of attention on it, more than it would if TCU loses. But regardless, I mean, Texas looking at, hey, can we win the Big 12 this year? Sam Ellinger, senior season. But if Gary Patterson picks you off in week two, 
all of a sudden, you know, it's looking like, ah, there's Texas overrated again in the preseason and uh, can't get it done when the lights come on. And then you've got Iowa State versus Oklahoma, which some people might say could be a Big 12 championship game preview. Long shot, yes, but Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma's expected redshirt freshman quarterback, you know, number one quarterback in the class of 2019, seeing him go up against John Heacock's defense and the Iowa State Cyclones, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, both sides of the ball, going to be a lot of fun. So uh, those are a couple of games in week two, I think, or can't miss. Then you get to week three, obvious one, Oklahoma, Texas at the Cotton Bowl, which is going to be, as of today, the plan is to have 25% capacity. So half OU, half Texas, about 12,500 fans from each school. TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas Tech. Week four is just two games, West Virginia versus Kansas, Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Uh, Just not a lot there. Then you get back to some full weeks here from week five to week seven. I'll give you the game to watch in each of those weeks. In week five, the game to watch, no doubt about it, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Some of you might say, oh, my gosh, Iowa State again. No, but that's the game right there because Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas are the three schools outside of OU that you can make a a solid case for playing in the Big 12 title game. That Oklahoma State-Iowa State game is going to play a big factor in terms of who's got a chance to get to Arlington for the Big 12 title game. So that's why the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game in week five, October 24th, is a no-brainer. Following week, Halloween game. How about this? Little Halloween action. Oklahoma State versus Texas for the same reason I just gave you there. Oklahoma State and Texas are two of the other three teams outside of Oklahoma that you can make a case for being in the Big 12 title game. Now, you can make a case for TCU on the outside looking in, but not as well as Texas, Oklahoma State, or Iowa State. So that's the game right there for the same reason that you're looking at in week six on Halloween where you say that has major implications for the Big 12 championship game. Then in week seven... The game you can't miss that week, Kansas State at home versus Oklahoma State. Now, this is three straight Oklahoma State games I'm giving you, and that's part of the reason. Oklahoma State will have come off of Iowa State and Texas in two hugely important games. Do they take that foot off the pedal a little bit going on the road to Manhattan? If they're in the driver's seat for a trip to the Big 12 title game and blow it on the road against Chris Kleiman and his team? Now, I'm not saying that Kansas State won't be good. They'll be solid, but they got a lot of pieces to turn over, that whole offensive line. Uh, and, And Mike Gundy, it seems like, no matter how good his team is, there's always that game where they they underachieve, they're not prepared. And, you know, if they get a big win over Iowa State and then a big win over Texas, that's a trap game right there. So on November 7th, that's the one that you keep an eye on um, in that full slate. Then week eight and week nine are both uh, partial weeks, I guess you'd call them. Two games in week eight, three games in week nine. Uh, So that's what you have going on there. And now week nine is Bedlam. That's Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. So that's November 21st, huge game. That's going to be awesome. It's not a full slate for the Big 12, but obviously Bedlam November 21st is a uh, can't-miss game. It's always can't-miss, but especially this year it's can't-miss. Week 10, uh, November 28th, back to full slates in week 10 and week 11. Week 10, the game you don't want to miss, Texas versus Iowa State, because you're looking at two teams that could very well be in the 
uh, Big 12 title race with two games to play, that's going to be a, a can't miss right there in the Big 12 and all of college football for that matter. One of the things I hope that comes out of this year, more prime time for the Big 12 so fans across the country can say, hey, this conference is damn good football. Like the Big Ten gets so much love because of the powers that be uh, on the media side, the president side, in terms of the university presidents, not the president of the United States. Uh, but, man, I, I hope that people watch more Big 12 this fall and they appreciate this conference, the round-robin style that it always has, not just this year. And the fact that you got some damn good defenses in this conference, too, that get overlooked. And then the last week of the season, you can make a case for a lot of games here. You could say TCU, Oklahoma State. You could say Iowa State versus West Virginia, Kansas State versus Texas, and Oklahoma versus Baylor all could have Big 12 title implications. The only one that won't, I'm going out on a limb here, but the only one that won't, Texas Tech versus Kansas. So that uh, week 11, December 5th, that's, that's got a lot of potential there. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Appreciate you guys checking it out, covering everything in the Big 12 Conference. Coming up, I am going to match a Big 10 and Pac-12 team with a Big 12 team. Since those two conferences aren't playing, which Big 12 team should they adopt? We'll tell you. Coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. So I had some fun with this because when you're going through this uh, bizarre time in college football and the sports world, you got to find your own fun and find your own laughs. You know, it's uh, you got to do it. Sorry, you got to do it. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. So Pac-12 and Big Ten are kaput. They are donezo. And you know what? I've had fans reach out to me from those conferences and say, hey, who can we root for in the Big 12? So what did I do? I put together a, uh, a matchmaking system. Yes, I'm playing matchmaker for Big Ten and Pac-12 fans in terms of which Big 12 teams they should latch on to for the upcoming season. So let's have some fun with this over the final few minutes. Uh, for the Baylor Bears, I'm going to team them up with the Michigan State Spartans and the Utah Utes. And that's because I feel like these three programs match up well where they get overlooked. You know, Baylor has had success, obviously, whether it was Art Bryles or now, of course, last year with Matt Rule. But they get overlooked, you know. Utah gets overlooked. Did you know that Utah has finished tied for first in the Pac-12 South three of the past five years? But no one outside of Utah seems to even know that. At Michigan State, no matter how much success it has, it always gets overlooked by Michigan, even if the Wolverines are sucking wind. Because then the story is, well, Michigan State, uh, is doing well, but boy, Michigan's struggling. What's wrong with Michigan? So they can't win. So I feel like those three teams go well together. Iowa State, I would welcome on Minnesota and Stanford. Now, Minnesota fans are going to know what it's like to have the young up-and-coming head coach, P.J. Fleck, Matt Campbell. Both fan bases uh, can converse over dealing with those constant rumors from national pundits. And then at Stanford, you know, defense, hard-nosed football, uh, I love you, Iowa State fans, but I'm not going to put you on the same level academically. But football-wise, I see some similarities. They both love the tight end position, by the way. So 
Uh, that's very similar to what you'll see in Ames this fall. For Kansas, I'm matching them up with Rutgers and Oregon State because they can all talk about the good old days. Rutgers can look back to Greg Schiano. Oregon State looks back to Mike Riley, Kansas, and Mark Mangino. They all know bad football. The fan bases watch a lot of bad football, especially as of late, but they're used to it, and they can commiserate together. <laughs> uh, then we go to Kansas State in my matchmaking game with Big Ten and Pac-12 teams. And uh, for Kansas State, I'd match them with the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Colorado Buffaloes. So I think Iowa fans are going to love watching Chris Kleiman and the style that Kansas State brings to the table with the defensive effort and smash-mouth football that Kirk Ferentz has used at Iowa for a couple of decades. And then I think of Colorado, which may as well latch on to a fellow uh, Big 12 North foe just for nostalgia purposes, right? I think Colorado's move to the Pac-12 just hasn't worked out for them. I, maybe they like being in the conference with the, you know, USC's and, and Stanford's of the world, but it hasn't worked out for them on the football side. So maybe rooting for a Big 12 team will give the folks in charge in Boulder a little bit of uh, thinking about the future. Just saying, not saying. For OU, for the Sooners, matching them up with Ohio State and Oregon. And uh, let's be honest, Ohio State fans, Oregon fans, they want to win, win, and win some more. And they're the class of their respective conferences. So they know how to let up the scoreboard. Lincoln Riley knows how to let up the scoreboard. Uh, Big-time offenses that win and, and, you know, are the class of their respective conferences. So it seems only natural that OU will get latched on with Ohio State fans and Oregon Duck fans going into Saturdays with a ton of pressure. For Oklahoma State, I'm going to match up the Pokes with Nebraska fans and Arizona, the Arizona Wildcats. Now, Nebraska fans are never going to root for a former Big 12 North team, right? Uh, and they won't root for the Blue Bloods in the South like Oklahoma or Texas. But I think that, you know, Oklahoma State and, and Nebraska, it was never like the rivalry in the Big 12. It just wasn't, right? So I think that Nebraska fans would enjoy watching Mike Gundy's explosive offense. They hope that's what Scott Frost will be able to eventually accomplish in Lincoln moving forward. That was the plan when it came over from UCF. And then for Arizona, the offensive styles are a natural fit. And let's just put it this way. I think the frat boys at uh, Oklahoma State and Arizona would get along just fine. <laughs> I think that they would. <laughs> for Texas, as I match them up with a Big Ten and a Pac-12 school, since those two conferences aren't playing football this year, I think Michigan fans and USC fans should be Texas fans this fall. Blue Bloods root for Blue Bloods. And considering these three always recruit at a high level, but underachieve, or at least have underachieved for the better part of a decade, it seems like they would all be natural fits for each other. Texas, Michigan, USC fans, they all go in every season expecting a college football playoff run, but it just doesn't happen. So I think that these fan bases, uh, God bless their souls, would get along just fine. For TCU, let's match them up with the Washington Huskies and the Penn State Nittany Lions. I think that these programs are defined uh, mostly by defense. And no matter how much success any of these programs have, TCU, Washington, or Penn State, their fans know that, you know, they won't be viewed the same as Texas, USC, or Ohio State. They're always playing second fiddle no matter how well they play. For that reason, I think the fan bases will get along, and I think that Washington and Penn State fans will love Gary Patterson's style and uh, the chip that is always on his shoulder. For Texas Tech, 
How about Indiana and Arizona State? Parties, 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 and some mediocre football these three programs can have in common. Uh, there's always a reason for optimism, and there will be the occasional high draft pick from these schools, although Texas Tech fans are like, Pat Mahomes, anybody home? I get it. But when it comes to style and expectations, uh, there seems to be a good fit with these three programs. And then we get the West Virginia Mountaineers. I would match the Mountaineers up with Maryland and Washington State. Uh, you know, you got a geographical friend there in Maryland, much closer than any Big 12 school is to Morgantown. Also, both fan bases are relative newcomers to their respective conferences, so they can chat about the growing pains. Meantime, Washington State and West Virginia fans would totally get along uh, discussing their recruiting challenges and the fact that they've got new coaches and they're facing rebuilds. So I've got West Virginia getting Maryland and Washington State. And there you have it, matching up Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 teams since they can't play this fall with a Big 12 team, where the fans of those teams should come in the Big 12. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It's always great to be here with you as we get closer to a Big 12 football season. Yes, we're having one. And thank goodness. Thank goodness we are. Hope you guys have a great week. Before you uh, log off, please leave us that rating, review, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us tremendously as we get closer to the season. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. If you leave us a rating and a review and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I just got a new shipment in, so brand new koozies waiting for you. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place.